Hello, this is Jeff from the future. This episode was recorded in 2020 as part of an original attempt at a music review podcast. The original idea was to discuss new music as it was being released, but 2020 being what it was, brought quite a few album postponements and other complications. So this series continued through 2020 and into 2021. We are now here in 2022 at the time I am recording this. So what you are about to listen to is not the Sound Judgment podcast, but an early iteration. Also, being that it was recorded more than two years ago now, some of our thoughts and opinions may have changed, considering that we are, in fact, people who are continuously trying to learn and better ourselves. Enjoy the show. Um, real quick for me, Jeff, would you do me a favor? Yeah. Just say for me 9-11 is an inside job. I am not saying that. I am not. No, I am not. I know that you're just trying to get that to be like, like your, your, like thing to line up the audio. I am not saying that on record. Nine Eleven was an inside job. This might be. This might be a, a conversation. Maybe I'll edit this out and we'll make it a conversation for the other for another day. That's but do fine. You, do you know that um, one of the members of Corn, Brian, Brian Head Welch, his his daughter has a YouTube now. And he's like, he's doing YouTube with his daughter. But the first one was just like, what's it like to have a famous dad? And it was just her kind of talking about it. And she, and she said something interesting about um, how she doesn't like critics because do you know how it feels to have, to spend your entire life with your dad hearing your first four albums were the best and everything else sucks. Oh, I mean, that, okay. I kind of how you just said that you would, you know, you're not getting up on stage and doing this every night. And God knows I couldn't either. Um, Agreed, yeah. But I think that also kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately. When when you put yourself in this world, it is unfortunately expected. Now, obviously, I, we are of no notoriety here. If, if our words actually really meant something, I think I would be much more concerned about saying things. That being said, I don't think we ever actually say anything super harsh about people other than, like, Again, there are times I will severely criticize, like, lyrics. I'm sorry, there are some things that are too juvenile for me to tolerate. But I think I think everything yeah. we say is, is pretty um, fair criticism. I also think that's the kind of criticism that, like, if you're bothered by it, you, you shouldn't have written the lyrics like you did. Um, I, I guarantee the guys from, I forget what band that was now, was that Haunted? Who was that? Or Haunt? Who did the Vaginal Coffin Ships? That was Midnight. Midnight. I guarantee Midnight doesn't care or wouldn't care. No. So it it all it is what it is. All I'm saying is that if Blink One Eighty Two doesn't like what we opened this with, they can shove two one hundred dollar bills in each ear and not have to hear what we're saying. Blink One Eighty Two can just go fuck off. And I will <laughs> I will say that very like that is not like no I mean that genuinely I have hated them since two thousand two and I still do. You guys keep doing what you love. I'm not going to buy the album. But I also will judge your fans for genuinely liking you. And yes, I will. Uh, get over it. They are so unbearably childish, and they are bordering 50 years old now. Stop. Grow the fuck up. Hi, sometimes... Hi, sometimes I am getting genuinely serious, and when you hear that tone of voice, that is when I'm being genuinely serious. 
The following is just a short clip from a video by Janaea Walsh about having a famous father that is actually really interesting. I'll link the whole 9 minute video down in the description. It's really interesting and you should go check it out. Are ruthless, especially on the internet. And then there's the music snobs that are like, they were better in that one album from like 1999. Imagine working your entire life on this giant project that had a lot of success and a lot of pain and a lot of triumph. And then some guy is like, they were better in that one album. Words hurt. I've heard it all too. Grown men and women online have called me fat and ugly since I was 12 years old. Well, great. Okay, so anyways, um, I just I sent you that clip, and I just wanted you to listen to it for a minute. And and she makes you know several good points. I don't think anyone should ever, you know, attack the artist openly unless you know maybe they've molested children for the Illuminati or something weird like that. But I don't have any proof that uh, Brian Head Walsh has done that. Although the fact that he is a Christian um, does you know make me immediately want to burn something at the stake. But I was I was kind of interested to hear her comment about like. That one album back in 1997 was better. And and I think there's a lot of that mentality. And I don't always know if it is or isn't something that, you know, is um, is a fair point. So I wanted, to, I wanted um, you to listen to it and, and give me some comments on that. Okay, so I have a handful of comments here because I think she says a lot of really interesting things. I'm actually curious to watch more of her channel. I feel like she's... I feel like she's actually pretty good at this whole, like, blogging or vlogging thing. Like, I, I, I might enjoy this. Um... So she had a little section just, like, called People Being Mean and just, like, talking about how ruthless people are on the internet, which, yeah, it is true. The internet is awful for that because of that level of, like, anonymity, which it's so difficult sometimes. Anonymity or, like, on the internet is probably the worst thing to happen to society. It is the worst downside, I think, to the internet, honestly. Yeah. But because it is so easy to talk about people you don't really know as if they're not really people. Yeah. I can agree with that. But, but, so, I mean, obviously, like, here's, here's my, my problem here. So first off, before I get to the music or the music snobs section that she talked about, I want to, I want to talk about this whole, like, her talking about people being mean and whatever, and people saying that her dad is in the Illuminati and whatever. This kind of goes into that world of, unfortunately, when you hit a level of fame, it is inevitable. It is part of the territory, whether we like it or not. I know Hank Green of the Green Brothers, famous for his brother John being the guy who wrote, like, The Fault in Our Stars, which became a big movie. He's an author, and now Hank Green is also an author and has started a bunch of small startup companies and done a bunch of stuff, and they have a YouTube channel called The Vlog Brothers that has a couple million subscribers. Hank Green is internet famous, which is not the same as famous in the real world. And I think he one time said something along the lines of he liked having that level of fame. Because let's face it, pretty much if you know who Hank Green is, it's because you're a fan of Hank Green. He's not in some big limelight. When you hit a certain level of fame, unfortunately, you're going to get that kind of attack. I'm not saying I don't feel bad about it. I'm just saying that it is inevitable. 
Now, when she got into her whole like little rant about like people being music stops, she said, "Imagine working on this giant project for years, and then it comes out, and some guy says, well, it was better when you did that one album.'" That is also unfortunately inevitable. Bringing up John Mayer, just because he's an artist who I happen to have watched many interviews about, and I know a lot about him in that sense. Even he says that he will probably never live up to his one album called Continuum. That will probably always be the album that he is compared to when he releases a new album. Everyone will always go back to comparing it to Continuum. And he will probably never top it. That is unfortunately a fact of his life. And when you're in that level of fame in the world, you don't have a choice. You just don't. I'm sorry it kind of sucks. I don't really know if I necessarily feel bad because I think it is just an inevitability. Do I think there are people who probably need therapy over it? Yeah, absolutely. I am all in on famous people of any sort being in, in therapy just to handle the shit that comes with fame. What I have a problem is, and I have been saying this for years, is I feel so bad for the children of famous people. This girl, I don't even know her name actually. What's her name? Jenna. Jen Jenna? Jenia. I'll say it's J E it's I'll say, do you say that Jania? J E N N E A. I I didn't hear her say her own name, so I wasn't sure. I, I think it might be at the beginning. I believe it's Jania Walsh. I'm not hearing her say it right away. I'm assuming it's Jania. Either way, I apologize. So if you don't know me, my name is Jania. Oops. Miss Welsh. This girl here. Brian Head Welsh's daughter. She didn't have a choice. She did not make the choice to be the daughter of a famous person. She is a victim of circumstance. It is absolutely disgusting that she even mentions that like people online have called her fat and ugly since she was 12. That is beyond repulsive. And quite frankly, criticizing somebody's looks is just kind of gross and dirty and pathetic. So I have a lot less sympathy for like, her argument against the music snobs because that's just a fact of being a musician. It just it it just is. I mean, if you're an artist of any sort, you're going to get that, especially at like a big fame international level. Criticizing someone for their looks for th like that's just gross, and I feel so bad. Again, for these children of famous people, God, I mean, could you imagine? Like, let's face it, Brian Head Walsh in the world of, of famous people is still, like, th there's a long way to go to the top. Yeah. Like, he's 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 not Brad Pitt levels of fame, and he never was, or whatever. Like, insert any other, like, all-star celebrity. Could you imagine being, like, the child of somebody like that? Because I couldn't. That sounds awful. That sounds, like, that sounds terrible. I No... No matter what you do, that is who you are. Yeah. Like, could you imagine trying to like make a name for yourself? I know that um Billy Joel's one daughter is a musician. Have you ever heard of her? No. Do you know Alexa Joel? Do you that she like has albums out? No, because she will never fill the shoes that her dad left for her. She's she's screwed. That's why Nick like, Cage yeah, changed his name. Yeah, like there is like a level of like you can. It's like uh, uh, to a certain degree. That's the maybe thing. It's is like, that people? It might of, be your uh, foot uh, in the door. This is kind of like a weird mini tangent, but people always kind of like go, you know, you're the son of this person. Um, you, you know, you you're kind of handed whatever you want to do, and there there probably is some level of truth to that. 
but there's also, but there's also probably some level of will you ever be able to escape that shadow of being the child of a famous person? Yeah, you like, might Maya Hawk. Maya Hawk is the daughter of like Ethan Hawk and is it Uma Thurman? I don't know who who. I have no idea who um, this is, so it's fine. Um, but she was on you know um, Stranger Things. Okay, and you could just as easily argue, well, she wouldn't have gotten that job on Stranger Things if her parents weren't. Ethan Hawke and I believe Uma Thurman but like you could just as easily say like will she ever escape the shadow of being the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke yeah I mean like obviously there's like a huge sense of of, like your foot in the door and certain privileges that obviously you're getting and that's a whole other rant but I feel like creating your own identity is uh, the idea of trying to get out from the the shadow of your parents is, is unbelievable now I realize there are people who do it there is the the Barrymore dynasty. Yeah. You know, like I realize that Drew Barrymore is a name for herself, despite the fact that she is like the fourth in line of famous actors and actresses. But that happens even more rarely. Like that's just not a thing. Most people who are the children of somebody huge and famous, they are always overshadowed especially if like i don't know who what miss welsh here wants to do with her life i don't know if she is a musician of some sort or anything i'm 21 i'm an emotional wellness advocate i'm a public speaker but god forbid if she wants to like god forbid if she wanted to be a music uh, in music she's stuck under her father's shadow no matter what she does like it's it's absurd yeah so i think it's disgusting that she unwillingly was put in the limelight mm-hmm. criticizing people for their looks or something they can't help is gross. Criticizing people for being actual awful people by all means go right ahead. And I'm sorry, but criticizing and critiquing art that you put out there is part of what happens, especially when you are already famous. But let's be real here. If you are famous, that means there are more people who like what you do than there are people who hate what you do. That's well put. I I can for the most part agree with that. But, I mean, again, like, there's, there is going to be, I mean, because she said it twice, the whole factor of just like, you know, well, there was one album back in 1997. Like, that's just a fact of music, especially because with music, so most people for most of their lives will listen to the music that they listened to when they were in their teens and up to like early mid-twenties. That is the music that your brain latches onto. So let's say, in Korn's case, you have some some teenager who gets into Korn's first few albums. They are now in their 30s and 40s. And they are now the big name music critics. Yeah, they're going to have a very strong bias for those first albums. Sorry, that is how it works. I think it kind of sucks, but it's just a fact of the matter. That's what it is. If if anyone who happens to put out music hears this, I want you to remember one thing that... Your first album was better? Your first album was better. No, very, very close though. <laughs> Um, I want you to remember one thing that was told to me by someone who was one of those metalhead elitists in high school. He's a cool guy now, but he was, you know, he definitely was one of those in high school. Who said to me um, something along the lines of, um, if bands are going to put out an album that sounds exactly like the last album, they should break up. 
And if bands are going to put out an album that sounds entirely different from their last album, they should break up. And I said, well, then what, in your opinion, should the majority of bands do? And he said, put out two albums and then break up. So this is the kind of person, yeah, without like, without like cracking a smile or anything, this is the kind of person that you should just assume that you're dealing with, with every music critic and just do what the fuck you want. Because you're you not going to please just, anyone. Can I just say that maybe that's maybe uh, Nate Ruiz from Fun has the right idea because that's kind of what he's been doing is putting out two albums with a project <laughs> and then starting a new project. Like maybe he's right. He maybe, knows what he's doing. Maybe he got that advice, and he man he knows what he's doing. I mean, because like the problem is like you, yeah. I know we've talked about before. If you take a band like if they release an album that's too much like their first album then they're being boring. And if you change too much, then, like, you're no longer, you no longer have the same fans. Yeah, you're, like, alienating the fans. But, okay, so we're gonna take one of our former favorite bands as as an example for this. Sonata Arctica. I knew that was who it was gonna be. Because, well, I mean, that's, let's face it, that's kind of how we became friends, really. Yeah. Like, we met up at a, yeah, we happened to see each other at a concert. Um, and be like, I work with you, right? <laughs> and be like, you're that guy who like also works, right? Yeah. Um. So their first handful of albums are still, I think, at least in the genre, some of my favorite albums of all time. They're absolutely phenomenal. Their style has very seriously changed over the years, and I think their albums, from my personal perspective, are getting worse and worse. And if we were to like sit here and re- review it. Their last album, not so much, but the one before that, like, I would I would absolutely rip apart if we put it in the context of review on this podcast. Yeah. But, kind of like how all of this goes, like, we keep saying, I realize there's somebody out there for this. Like, I, I think that they are probably more popular now than they ever have been before. I'm just not their target audience anymore. Which is ultimately totally fine and they are allowed to do whatever they want and quite frankly i encourage it and if their lyrics have anything to do with real life i'm hoping that tony is truly a happier person now than he was in 2003 because let me tell you lyrically he came off as a very angry and depressed man not so much anymore and i'm hoping that's at least inspired by real life events i don't like their music nearly as much in fact, that's an understatement. I've barely listened to their past two albums. I haven't. I haven't genuinely enjoyed one of their albums since uh, Days of Grey. Like starting with Stones Grow Her Name, we start with like mild disappointment and just kind of drop. Stones Grow Her Name was one of those albums that I was like, "Meh, this is all right." But there's a handful of tracks on there that I very genuinely still really, really love. I mean, so, like, like I said, the... mild disappointment. <clears throat> Yeah, that's the last album to me that like I will repeatedly put on at least certain tracks of with a lot of frequency. Although there are songs since then that I really like. But that's I got I, just, I mean there's songs here and there. I just I cannot like I'll never stop remembering um when that album came out and I got it and I put it on on my way to class and just like the realization just like filling me that this is the first <coughs> Sonata Arctica album that I don't love. Like aside from Unia, but this yeah, is the first I one mean, where it came out new and I didn't like it. But you know, like you could look up Unya and find and find um like old forum posts. That album was really divisive among fans. 
Well, Unia is great. I've changed my opinion on Unia. Unia is great just for the quote, cry for help. Because <laughs> like, okay. the whole time my computer was malfunctioning, I was sitting there like, cry for help. Oh my god. But, uh, but but seriously, I mean, that album is super divisive among fans because it was the first, like, real break in style for them. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple friends who that is their favorite album of theirs. But, like, that's, you know, that was a big change in style for them, which they lost a lot of fans over. They also gained a lot of fans. Right. Like, new fans. Let's face it, there are people who listen to their past two or three albums and really love it, but if they were to put on Sonata Arctica's, like, second or third album, would hate it. Well, we have a word for them, and it's called wrong. No, we have a word for that, and it's just called we're allowed to have different things. Quite frankly, the word for that, I think a majority of it, is younger. Yeah. Because, let's face it, how old were we when we got into Sonata Arctica? We were teenagers. But it's not it's not fun if I don't if I don't just add some some shit in there. There is some fun to being the old man who yells at a cloud. Like I, I totally get it. Get off my fucking lawn. Um But no, I mean like so back back to this little video of, of Miss Welsh here. Yeah, back to the the best corn album and all I'd follow the leader. I feel horrible for her for people being mean to her for no reason. She she did She like, did nothing. Sh- she didn't do anything. She didn't choose to be in any sort of limelight. Yeah. She didn't have a choice. She was born into it. Leave her alone. She has nothing to do with this. Yeah. But if you're going to criticize and critique her dad's music, that's what it's for. Like, that's it just it exists. I'm sorry. So, like, the same way I'm going to sit here and tell Korn that they did an awful cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia, you know, that people are going to do it. That's what, that's what critic, that's what critics do. Not even just critics. That's what people do. Let's face it. We're not really critics. We're just dudes who are listening to music. Yeah. I feel awful for her. Like that's that's so frustrating to me. When I mean, she uh, said again, when she and, said and, that, and through all of this, I mean, we 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 crack jokes um, about musicians, but I I try to keep things like impersonal. Aside from like, unless I know someone's like committed a felony, um, for the most part. It's yeah, the, the, these these child diddlers need to go away. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I would not be I would not be angry if someone thought that um if someone took away from my static X review that Trip Eisen is a piece of shit because he he maybe has sex with girls without asking their age at least two times, um and they end up under sixteen. Uh, yeah, you should probably go go away forever. Um, but like that's that kind of thing aside. I, I, I try to keep things focused on the music and there might be, you know, a cheap shot here and there, but that's all part of making fun of making light of people who are in the public eye. I mean, I think there's also a certain level of it that is just purely for the sake of like letting your emotions get with you and kind of like being overly angry for something that like, let's face it, isn't really that important. Yeah. Despite the fact that I know I get like, irrationally angry at things. Nothing we've ever talked about on this podcast has kept me up at night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't think pop punk and Taylor Swift are making us lose any sleep. No, um, even though I think vaginal coffin ships is one of the most irritating things I've ever heard. 
I shut off the recording and I move on with my life. Yeah. Like, it's not ruining anything here. I just think it's really frustratingly bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, if Hounds ever finds this, we love you, um, unironically. Um, Wait, who are we talking What? Who? I said if Hounds ever finds this. Oh, dude, I, we, dude, we, I want to hang out with them so bad. <laughs> we, we actually, potentially because we made fun of you, we fucking adore you. That may I have mean, that may have played a factor in us liking you more. <laughs> Honestly, I think it did. I think because I mean, cause like genuinely, we had so much fun talking about that album. Like I remember laughing a lot during it, um, and it wasn't like a horrible album by any stretch. We just we both like were questioning the vocalist, and but like we both we both left that review going like I want to know what these guys do next. Yeah. And then just like, it just so happens that I happened to post about the band Sabotage on Instagram and then they followed me and I'm just like, sure, I'll follow them back. Like, I mean, obviously they're a, a like a band account. They follow thousands of people. I'm not special here. Yeah. But they just saw someone, they probably just saw somebody who likes the same music they do and thought like, we're going to follow them. They're going to look at our profile and maybe we'll get a new fan. Little did they know I was already becoming a fan from listening to their album, but that's not the point. They don't care. I don't care. They seem like super cool dudes. I love the stuff they post, and I'm actually super excited to eventually see them live. I am determined to. Man, yeah, when ends, I cannot... I mean, I'm sorry. When the carnival ends, um, I cannot... <laughs> I cannot wait to go check out some of the bands that we have been we have been reviewing. Um I would I would love it if Hounds came to America. Uh I would I would love to check out Haunt. I'd love to go take you to see a midnight show. Um At this point I'm getting so angry about shows I would almost go see LaRue with you. It won't happen until next year anyway. I know. I know. Um, I'm screaming on the inside. Spe- it's fine. Speaking of it shows, just for the- just for the sake of going to a show, I'm going to go to one of those drive-in shows. I, just for the sake of going to a show, I would almost go to one of those local shows that they're putting on despite COVID, except I'm not because I'm not fucking stupid. Oh, see, I'm not doing that. I'm doing one of the drive-in ones. Like, you know, like okay. this is legitimate, you know, it's and a get, thing. And getting out, of your, a... getting out of your car, standing near the sh- stage? No, I'm going to, you know, be a decent person and we're going to stay in the car. Who who was that? That was the Chainsmokers. The Chainsmokers. Mm-hmm. They, they, Which, they've upset our goddess. I know. And it, th- that makes me so sad, too, about them, because I, I don't think they had anything to do with people getting out of their cars, but, like, if you ask me, the appropriate response is to say, listen, you all need to get back in your cars or we leave. Yeah. And then you need to do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what kind of contractual obligations they may have been stuck with. I don't know the whole story. It's frustrating, and it makes me sad that so many people were, like, right up against the stage, obviously not doing something really simple. The the Chainsmokers, I have seen them live. They put on such a cool show. Well, they've upset Poppy, and that's not acceptable, who's another person I cannot fucking wait to see. That Yeah, that is not acceptable. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he's way behind, and he's willing to make a deal. When he came upon this young man's son on the fiddle and playing it hot And the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said Boy, let me tell you what I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due I've been a fiddle of gold against your souls, I think I'm better 
I want to listen to Corn. But you want to know what I don't want to listen to Corn about? I don't want to listen to their cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia, Chris. Oh my god. Because they covered The Devil Went Down to Georgia. They did, and I told you about this and I regret it. It's Chris. so not good. Chris. Yeah. Corn. Corn. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Well, Corn and somebody else, and I, I don't remember who the other whatever It was like is. a rapper or something, right? I, I, I genuinely don't know, actually. Is it Yellow Wolf? Am I saying a word that's a musician? Is Yellow Wolf <laughs> is a musician? It Yellow Wolf. Give me a second and let me pull it up here. I meant to write it down and I, I totally forgot because I'm a jerk. I like that my reaction re- is, is, is it Yellow Wolf? Is that a person? I, I mean, I have no idea. Is that a thing? I don't know. I can't. I just said it. Oh are these God. real words? I mean, Yellow Wolf, that, those are words. Like, like those, those are in fact two Yellow, words. Yellow Wolf is... is a rapper, singer, songwriter, fashion designer, and business owner. Is he on that corn track? Yeah, yeah. performance by corn featuring. Oh, it's Yellow Wolf. Yeah, Yellow like, Wolf. Why? Oh, I, I was hearing Yellow. No. Yellow Wolf. Um, okay, so the devil went down to Georgia. You know that super famous song about the devil uh, having a fiddle competition against a guy named Johnny, and then Johnny wins by being a endlessly superior fiddle player written by originally by the originally by the charlie daniels band written by obviously charlie daniels would you like me to do my cover i would love for you to do your cover never went down to georgia he was looking for a soul steal he was in a bind because he was way behind the illuminati is real came across a young boy eating on a taco greasy hot now that was because he was mad at taco bell for using illuminati images (laughs) oh god okay devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said boy let me tell you what I bet you didn't know, but I'm a climate change denier too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll have a debate with you. Now you make a pretty good argument, son, but give the devil a say. I bet a fiddle gold against your soul, Benghazi ain't going away. For the record, those are all based on things that Charlie Daniels had tweeted previously. Politics aside, Charlie Daniels was a phenomenal songwriter and musician. And this cover, um, Korn has released on their band camp. And proceeds go to... Awakening Youth, I believe, is the name of the organization. I am all in on artists releasing things and the money going to charities and stuff. Cool. I'm I'm great. Here, here lies. I don't want to say my biggest corn's career. No. Here's here. <laughs> wow. No. Here lies my biggest problem. So please let me go on a rant for a moment here. The Devil Went Down to Georgia is a song about the devil having a fiddle, a violin competition with a man named Johnny. Why? Why then are there covers of this song that do not have violins in it? There is another version on Guitar Hero 3. Uh, it is by a man named Steve, and his last name is O-I-M-E-T-T-E. I'm not sure how he pronounces that. He's a great, like, shred rock guitar player. It's super cool. But the song is about a fiddle competition, and there is no fiddle playing in it. This version has fiddle somewhere in it. It is six feet under, just like where this song belongs, because how the fuck do you make a song? You take a song about fiddle players, and you do not 
fiddle in it. There's a video on YouTube by a guy, his name is Tentacruel, no, Tantacruel, and he has this video called Hallelujah, How to Cover It Badly, and it's just like him criticizing tons and tons of people who cover the song by Leonard Cohen, famously covered by Rufus Wainwright and Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. Everybody knows it. It was everywhere on YouTube 10 years ago. You couldn't avoid it. This guy, I think, goes a little overboard. He criticizes way too much about the song, like the way people cover it. Um, Hallelujah very famously has the lines, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, right? Yeah. Those are musical terms that the melody and the chords underneath fall on. Like, the word, the fourth, the fifth, land on the fourth and fifth chords in that key, whatever key you play the song in. The minor fall, the words the minor fall, lands over a minor chord. The major lift, it goes back to a major chord. This is called prosody. It's called word word painting, which is just like a, a musical technique that people have been using for forever. Think of every song where someone says, stop, and then the music stops for a moment. Hammer time. Exactly. Or insert any of like 30 million songs here. I think it's a really cool writing technique. If you have a song about something specific and you don't put that specific thing in the song when that is an option, you are an idiot. You are very, like, I'm not, I have said this before, there, it is possible for a cover of anything to be better than the original. You cannot have a better version of The Devil Went Down to Georgia unless you either change the lyrics or put a goddamn violin in the song. It is not difficult to make it, you know, he came across this young man picking on a guitar and playing it hot. Congratulations, you now made the song about a guitar player. You may continue with your bullshit shred rock. You did it. That is literally all it takes. I went on a binge of finding rock covers of this song, and none of them had actual violin playing aside from, like, buried in the mix or these really bad synth violins. Doesn't like, the Primus version have it? That is one I did not listen to because I remember just kind of being annoyed by it before and I didn't want to go on a Primus rant right now. So I actually intentionally ignored that one, which is funny. They may have very well done it correctly. I don't know. Go on, Sp go on Spotify and look up any other cover of this and it's just like, yeah, there might be violin there, but no one does it well. And it amazes me. It is a song about a violin competition. How do you not put violins in a song about a violin competition. There was a song by the band Alabama, if you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band, and there was no goddamn fiddle in that song. So off the bat, this cover is awful. I don't care what else they do, there is no excuse for doing this song without prominent violin in it. It is literally the point of the song. You don't see Billy Joel playing Piano Man and not playing the piano. If you cover Piano Man playing a guitar, you're a moron. You missed you missed the thing about the song. No. So anyway, we'll be coming back to you next year, next year with our fiddle cover of Piano Man. So what I'm saying at is this cover sucks. Like this I so you told me you had a message to me saying, Hey, like, they covered this song. It's really bad. And being the contrarian that I am, I really, like, I told myself, like, no, no, no. We're going to find things about this to talk about that are good. It might not actually be good, but I was going in just for the sake of argument. I wanted to defend this song. 
I can't. You got nothing? I can't. I got absolutely nothing. Another awful complaint that I have is, can we please, can so, like, I know this is like a southern song. You don't need to put on a fake, really bad southern accent to say these words. It is possible. It is possible. I promise it is possible to sing this song without putting a fake twang on your voice. Yeah, welcome to me complaining and everyone's just like, yeah, shut the fuck up about country music. But like, if the, if the, no, because like, if that's the accent you have, like, I don't care. But like. I know, but I'm specifically talking about when people who, who, people who sing, <clears throat> who do not have that accent as strong as they do when they're singing, when they're talking. Looking at you, Keith Urban, you're from Australia. Thank you. What, you, don't, you really, don't think Jonathan Davis from Bakersfield, California, age 49, just got a southern accent on this song? Is that what <laughs> you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. No, he didn't. You don't need to sing su- southern music in a country in a country twang. You don't have to do it. I just, I'm so mad about this because I really did go into it being like, no, no, they're going to do something cool. Like, even what I had in mind, because I'm thinking like, all right, this is corn. What I had in mind was they were going to somehow make, like, the devil's half of the playing, like, really cool. Like, I could hear that bass line, right? I could hear that in my head, half speed, just pure, grinding, deep, chugging bass and guitar. Like, I had that mental image. Dun, 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 like in typical corn fashion, and they, it it's not there. I don't know what they did. It exists. This song happened somehow. I hope it makes money for charity. But holy shit, this this is not good. Man, I gotta tell you, we brought up corn in all three segments, and there were only two segments. <laughs> oh no. Oh, we did, didn't we? Welcome back to the Jonathan Davis Podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about Sting and David Bowie and Sad Clowns. <laughs> and and other things that we bring up way too often. I'm going to wait for Korn to release an album and then we're going to review it, but we're never going to talk about the album. We're just going to talk about everyone <laughs> other than Korn because we've already talked about Korn enough. And then at the end we'll just give a number. Just an arbitrary number. I am so angry. Because I literally, even if I didn't believe it, like, I had every intention of bringing my side of this to the podcast, telling you why it wasn't as bad as you think it was. Even if I secretly was like, oh my god, this is awful, I had every intention of shooting you down and telling you why it was actually a cool cover. And I can't. Of course you can't, because I'm right, it was really (laughs) bad. Not... It's so not good. It's almost infuriating. The, the only good thing about it is that while I was listening to new music that day, I found the new Poppy song. No, the only good thing about it is that they did it and it's going to charities, and I think that's really awesome. And I actually bought it on Bandcamp because of that. Okay, you know what? That's that's good. You're a good person sometimes. I'm 100% on board with that. I will support the supporting of charities. I will not support covers of the devil went down to georgia that that still refer to the instrument of choice as a fiddle and add very little or no fiddle i won't do it i won't do it i have no i i i can't i'm so angry i was angry enough when the guitar hero version came out 
and I'm angry about it all over again. Yeah, and we haven't we haven't even like I it was like two weeks ago or three weeks ago that made you listen to it, right? Yeah, and I'm angry about it all over again looking at like my notes here. Like I'm looking at my notes and I'm angry again. <laughs> like the song feed like the lyrics feed you. Like, that's the thing, like, I, whatever, Charlie Daniels being a terrible person or having awful political ideas, I don't know, I don't care. He wrote some great songs, and he fed you this song. Like, this song is in your face, basically telling you, you know how to make this a cool song, is you get yourself a violin player somewhere. My god, it's... Why? Like, this is so so frustrating to me that this song is throwing it in your face. Again, I'm going to bring back Hallelujah. If you were to change like, I'm all for covers that totally strip the song apart and rewrite the song melody and everything. I think A Perfect Circle was probably, they're like the kings of that as far as I've seen with their album Emotive. Like, they just really ripped apart songs and just kind of totally remade them and it's really cool. Whether you like the covers or not, they're at least unique and interesting. And then there's people like Postmodern Jukebox being the biggest one, who take like pop songs and do them in drastically different styles. I at least think it's creative and fun and cool. But when a song hands you what to do to make an effective version of itself because people are already expecting it, you just do it because you're totally missing something. So like when Leonard Cohen said the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, I he was he was almost giving with. you instructions on how to sing the fucking song. If, well, if you mess with the melody there, that's totally fine. I'm all for like reharmonizing it if you want to. But like he's literally telling you the chords, and if you decide to change the chords on him, I think you're you're missing something that people are going to connect with. You are literally changing the song in a way that is going to make even. Unless you change the lyrics, like why? Why would you? Why would you? But why change would the you composition? Do that? Like, I, I yeah. think if you're significantly changing lyrics, you're also kind of missing the point of a cover. Like again, if you're going to cover the Devil Went Down to Georgia, I am literally asking you to change what two lines? Like you're you're changing when they specifically mention a fiddle, and it's not difficult to turn that into a guitar song. Like you just kind of have to change a couple words, and congratulations, it is now the devil and a guy named Johnny having a guitar shred-off competition. Congratulations, you did it. You are now justified in your beautiful shred-fest that was on Guitar Hero. The song feeds you. It tells you how to make an effective cover of itself. And I'm not just saying this coming from the perspective of a snob. I'm saying this coming from the perspective of people listening to it are going to relate to it. There's a reason things work well. And they just... I don't understand how we keep getting away with not putting fiddle in the devil went down the Georgia. Hey, so this is Jeff in the future. I'm going to send this clip, this audio clip of me talking here to Chris. Um, he just sent me on Facebook a link to Nickelback, of all people, doing a cover of the devil went down the Georgia. And it is incredible. It is literally everything that I was complaining about. They, obviously, Nickelback are fans of the podcast, even though that episode didn't even air. They did everything I wanted a cover to do. They changed a couple lines. They actually even changed a couple lines I never would have thought of. They did the, uh, as he tuned his axe down low, which the, the, it's really deep and gritty. 
it has a man named Dave Matone doing all the lead guitar work. I actually just recently discovered this man. I had not previously heard of him. Um, he showed up in my YouTube feed like a month or two ago. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm like falling in love with his playing. So not only did they change the lyrics well, they did this. They did the heavy riffing rhythm guitar that I wanted the corn cover to have. No, of all people, Nickelback did it. Yet another reason why we need to stop hating Nickelback because aside from the fact that they write awful pop crap songs for the sake of being hits, which for the record they're fully aware of, they're obviously just doing it for the money and for the publicity, they are phenomenal. End of story. This cover's incredible. I am so excited right now, I could scream. Devil opened up his case and he said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his fingertips as he tuned his axe down low. And he pulled that pick across the strings and it made an evil hiss. Then a band of demons all joined in and it sounded just like this. Did you say in there that you don't you don't mind if bands do covers in a different style? No, I don't. Why? What about Pop Goes Punk? You fucking hate Pop Goes Punk. Okay, but do you want me to... Ex- like, I mean, I can go into why. That's a totally... I, I, like, that's okay. not... That's, I, I that's want, I want you to, to, I want you to take your hatred for, for corn covering... Devil went down to Georgia and translated it to a non-fiddle-based rant on Pop Goes Punk. That's going into a world of what I call simplistic covers. So let's say, like, another example that I've heard people talk about is, like, if you go see just, like, some person, like, busking on the side of the road, right? It's just, like, some person who knows four chords on a guitar, and they're going to play, they're going to play a couple songs that you know. Probably Hallelujah. Yeah. You can go on to any website and just like look up the basic chords excuse me look up the basic chords of a song and translate it to either like the open cowboy chords on an acoustic guitar or the pop pop, the pop goes punk version of it make it the power chord so you're saying that there's not there's not enough effort put in no my problem is it's it's lazy yeah it is unbearably lazy you can do pop punk music that is musically enticing and cool and interesting. Green Day made a Broadway musical out of it and it's incredible. Okay. I I don't care what other people say. American Idiot, quite frankly, as a musical is even cooler than it was on the actual album. And musically, it's about the same. Like, they weren't writing super crazy music, but like you can make effective pop and punk music. What you can't do and make it interesting or good or even unique is take a song, find the most basic chord like chord chart for it, and just translate it to power chords playing the same all downstroke four on the floor rhythm or the same down, down, up, up, down acoustic strumming like anyone on a sidewalk. There's no creativity to it. And the reason it's bad is because it's everywhere. It's everywhere because it's easy and it's uncreative. It is awesome if you are learning to play the guitar 
or if you're learning to play piano and all you know are the first inversion original chords, that's fine. I'm all on board. We all start there. But it's not good. Okay. And I'm just, I'm just like, I'm genuinely just trying to pick your brain at this point. Okay, what's up? But what makes, um, what makes, is it Joey Raymond who did, uh, um, are you yeah, getting to Joey yeah, yeah, Ramone's yeah. cover? Okay, Joey Joey Ramone, what a wonderful world. Yeah, what makes that like especially different than than the <clears throat> pop goes punk covers? Here, I'm actually gonna pull it up so I can even give you timestamps if you really want to like listen. No, to I just, it I, I just want like I mean. a. Is it like that he? Do you, do you think he put more effort into it than, yeah, than just absolutely. four chords? Is it this? Is it? Absolutely. I, don't e- I don't even remember so, if okay. there's a solo in it or something. But so okay, so let's let's first off, um. He did. It's like it's not crazy. It is still definitely like pop punk, which is what the Ramones were. Yeah. Hold on. Give me a second to like formulate my thoughts here. That's fine. I'm just picking your brain here. Yeah, I gotcha. So, first off, he didn't just do the oh we're gonna play power chords. That is a lot of it because that is the meat of it. But like power chords are also just like the meat of rock and roll and punk. But like okay, the song literally starts with this very Ramones-esque like arpeggiated little riff yeah. thing. It's very typical. It's very simple. But it's at least something. He at least did something with it. So like, no, a lot of this, yeah, you're right. It is just like... but it's like, it, it is kind of just <clears throat> like the punk chords version of, of it, What a Wonderful World, but... I mean, I agree with it, you. I like that song mo- better than most pop goes punk songs, but I'm just I'm kind of curious what makes it what makes it different. What makes it, it completely a... acceptable where other ones you find completely unacceptable? Whereas I I I think there's like good ones and bad ones. Well, there are good ones and bad ones. There are other punk like punky covers of classic rock and pop songs that are totally fine. I think as a trope, I can't stand it. Like when you know being in high school, going to see, like, a battle of the bands, and it was, like, a bunch of people my age, you know, teenagers, who thought they were being cute and clever and original and fun and doing Hit Me Baby one more time just by going, jun, 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 over power chords. That's not anything. So, so I, th- I think to me what it sounds like is that you don't, you don't like the ones that they kind of do as like a piss take. They're, you're not into it as like a joke. Not, I mean that is that. Well, that is a factor. That is part of it. I think a little bit of seriousness does go a long way. But I'm also all I'm all for a joke within reason. Um, but even a well done joke, I think, is stupid. Like the reason I thought of "Hit Me Baby One More Time" is Children of Bodom did it, and it's again one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Even though you know they did it in a drastically different style when there's like some riffing going on it's a moderately interesting cover but I think it's dumb just for the sake of being dumb which I'm also not into that either well I got bad Um, news for you about this podcast what's that it's fucking dumb well yeah (laughs) I I understand that okay Um, so I mean no there are good uh, punk covers of like pop and classic rock songs yeah but when they bring nothing new is my problem. Okay. When so like here's the thing, people who play like pop punk because they can't play anything else 
that's my problem. Oh, like basis. When, yeah, exactly, no. When you are doing it because that's all you know, when there's nothing added to the arrangement of it, if it is literally you went on to ultimateguitar.com and you didn't even look up the tab to, sm- uh, to, to Sweet Child of Mine, you just looked up the chord chart and were like, okay, well, which power chords are these? And you just chugged along. You, you're, you're adding nothing. You're doing nothing with it. That's where you lose me on these covers. That is when there is a difference between sitting on a sidewalk and just playing every song you know in the key of C because those are the only chords you know. If you're a beginner, I'm with you 100%. If you've been doing it for 20 years and you're just like into the aesthetic of how boring that is, I want to know what's wrong with you. And if you're releasing it thinking you are something new and creative for doing a quote-unquote stripped-down version of a song, I got some news for you. Go on to this thing called the internet and look up a cover of anything with the word stripped or unplugged. It's been done. Yeah, I mean... You're not new, you're not creative, you're not clever, you're not cute. You are boring. I, I... There's a reason none of this stuff actually gets popular. Because let's face it, those like those like Pop Goes Punk albums are yeah. popular because the artists on them were already popular. Right. Hell, even you know, I mean like there's really like simplistic covers that yeah, have been big hits. Bowling for Soup did it. That what was it, nineteen eighty nine? Like that was a cover. They didn't really do anything crazy, new, or drastic, but they at least brought a new energy to it. Right. They did something. It's not much, but they did enough. But something. Joey Ramone's What a Wonderful World is totally uninteresting musically, but so was Joey Ramone for his entire career. Yeah. And he added his stupid whatever his voice is doing. And there's a couple little, like couple little guitar riffs moving in he did a thing with a song and it's totally fine one of my musician friends made a joke about all of the uh, all of the acoustic songs coming out during quarantine if I see one more song fucking labeled acoustic or unplugged yeah there's there's a difference between being like an acoustic artist and doing acoustic acoustic music because you're lazy and that's all you can do. That being said, I think whatever you whatever you do in the COVID times is up to you because it's hard to get a band yeah, together. Yeah, right I'm now. not criticizing quarantine stuff. I'm talking about like yeah, I think that's well, what I think this was just a poke at like everyone making making <sighs> unplugged versions during quarantine. Which I think, given most people's situations, like that's totally fine. Yeah. Let's face it, most people do not have like studios in their house. Yeah, I think it was just like it is fun. It is genuinely easier to record an acoustic guitar and your voice than it is to record, like, a full cover of something. Like, that's... I'm not judging that. Yeah. Or, if that's what you're capable of, I'm not judging that. I'm... A lot of it comes down to, I'm judging you if your mentality of what you did comes across as, oh, this is unique, this is new, this... Like, no, it's not. That's where my problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a song and making it simpler than it was is not interesting or cool or fun or unique to me. Taking a song and making it drastically different, even if I don't like it, I will at least respect that you did something different. 
Okay. Unless you're covering The Devil Went Down to Georgia and you don't put a goddamn violin in it. Then you're doing something different and you're stupid. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on that a little because um, you said something kind of interesting in there about, about you know. About what? I'm, not, about, I'm actually not sure. I'm actually not sure what brought you onto that, honestly. No, it was I, I was I was kind of interested when you said you can cover you know music in a different style, and I'm, I was just like kind of thinking, well, you avidly, you aggressively hate pop, like the pop goes punk style. I do, I absolutely do. Yeah. And again, there are great exceptions. Uh-huh. I mean, I, there are great exceptions. To that there are people who I think pulled off well in in tons of different ways. Yeah, and. And there is the fact that, like, if that is all you're capable of, but you do it well, like, if you rock those three power chords on a cover, like, I'm with you if you're bringing something to it. Okay. If you're bringing a new energy to it or something. Especially back, like, 10, 10 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago, if I had to see one more band think they were so cool for doing a cover of, like, a an Aerosmith song, but literally removing everything that made it interesting and just chugging along on chords, but thinking they were super cool. It is so infuriating. Because, and honestly, the problem is that frequently the only people who think it's really cool were them and the people who liked them for other things. No one was going to see their show and like, oh, I cannot wait to hear that super stripped down version of Carry On My Wayward Son that doesn't even play anything that resembles the riff. It's just four chords. Like, no one wants this. Quit pretending it's okay. cool. Okay, so try to retain something that made the original song good, like a riff or something. Well, or bring something new to or it. Or bring something new to it. If you're going to remove something, so, bring so, something. But new I was, to I was to say, so your 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 issue is with uncreative punk covers that don't try to either utilize that, what was great about the original song and make that punk, or bring something new to the table that is your own. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. No, that's fine. I just, I was just kind of curious. I was like, you know, I, just when you say. Um, you know, you, you you don't mind people doing things in a different style. I was like, yeah, you, I mean, you, you, this one specific thing you really hate. So I because was because like, that's. But I I was kind of curious, like, what makes you know certain versions an exception? And now I kind of at least have an answer. What makes certain versions an exception is the fact that it's doing something interesting. Okay. Um, but like, I mean, let's face it. You can go onto YouTube, and if you just type in any song with the word "cover" next to it, you will undoubtedly find covers of like just a person holding a guitar or a ukulele and there's they're just strumming like open chords right yeah that works every once in a while there are some great songs that that's how they were written works really like, i was gonna say it works really well if you start with a four chord song it yeah, i mean and it works really well if that's like what you do like i'm not gonna judge woody guthrie or like early bob dylan for just being like four strummed chords like that's that's what they did, and they did it really well. And but obviously, they were bringing what they were bringing to the table was the song itself. Yeah. And again, there are I think every once in a while, like if you know, if you have an album that one of the songs is this like really really stripped four chords and acoustic guitar cover of something, it's like oh, this is unique 
coming from you, there are times I could imagine that could be kind of cool. All of this comes from a perspective of there is no always or never. There are always exceptions to this. As a general rule, I think taking a song, and if you're going to do a cover of it, doing a pop punk or a stripped acoustic cover of it is probably not going to be good. Mostly because it has been done to death and back. Okay. Like, that is a dead horse that has been dead for decades, and it has been beaten to a pulp. Take him to the glue it's factory, almost, boys. Yeah, it is almost impossible to do that and do it interestingly without... How do I want to say this? I'm not sure where to finish that statement because the only way I can think of it is like it's not what I want to say and I don't want to like say the wrong idea here. Um, it is very difficult to do that and make it truly unique. And, and again, put a twist there on is, it. Put something unique there, on it. But again, there is also the caveat of if that is what you are capable of, I am not judging you for making music. Again, yeah, I mean... I, mean, I, am, ju I am, however... Because this is how my thought process always goes. I am judging professionals for doing it and thinking it's something interesting. Or I am judging people who are at least notable. I think I'm going to go back to your thoughts on Taylor Swift. Like, to me, it comes from a perspective of, I know you can do better than this. Quit pretending this is unique. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that, that, that really kind of drives it home. Because there's, I mean, she's able to write a... a good lyrics and a catchy chorus and and she obviously knows how to produce her own music and she doesn't really this is the thing that, that yeah and I, I know this is kind of a controversial take because i know i mean I, I don't i don't want to put down anyone who completely puts out produced music like without any live instruments but i i'm of the camp that will take live instruments over over produced music every time if that makes sense and the fact that she can and made the the choice not to for at least I don't want to say a full album I don't remember if there are any like guitar songs on the album that she got real popular with but there's at least albums worth of material where she just kind of you know put out some some fruity loops beats I'm just going to call them fruity loops beats yeah I, mean, I, I totally get what you mean and that's I would I would take her put playing guitar over that over you know, See I will the, the I, I will say I will every time. I am not always in the camp of live music is better. I I truly do not believe that. I have no problem with the overproduction thing, but that I think comes down to a personal preference thing. But this but also overall, comes I, but that this is also coming from a place where um I know she's capable of it and just not choosing to. I don't I don't get mad i don't know if halsey can produce music like i don't know if she knows any instruments but i don't get mad when i hear her her albums and there's like one guitar solo on the whole thing because i'm not expecting anything from her but like whereas taylor swift i feel like it's kind of you have this potential to to produce this kind of like self-made music with a guitar and you're just choosing not to for albums on end See, to me, that's a different argument, though, because to me, that is a genre and stylistic difference. Like that's yeah, that's and then, much and this more is, like again, this is coming from my own preferences. Like again, yeah. I don't want to, I don't. She, I, I think that she has every right to put out five hundred albums that I fucking hate and 
and make a billion dollars and and prove me wrong every morning when she wakes up. Good on her. But like, I don't have to listen to those albums. And yeah, I don't have to praise them. Is all I'm saying. No, I was saying I was bringing her up again because I'm agreeing in the light that she. I know that she can be a great songwriter, and I yeah. think she does it frequently. I'm and I don't mean that, like, yeah. and I'm not talking like music or instrumentally or whatever. I mean like even just like as writing a song, even in its most basic sense. Yeah, I was gonna say I she, she's, she's a great. A, she, she can write a really catchy chorus, and she can write some really great lyrics and some yeah. really like great lines. I just get very sad when I know she can do better, and then occasionally write songs. I'm just like, but you're so much more than this. And I realize that's kind of a personal preference thing. Obviously, this is all personal preference thing. I also just want to point out real quick, I mentioned doing a really bad cover of Carry On My Wayward Son. And I say that, that is literally a true story. There was a band from this area years ago who I do not want to name. Um, but they were otherwise not really my thing, but they were a pretty talented group of young individuals. And yet, I know for a fact they were super proud of their cover that they did at every show of Carry On My Wayward Son. And I'm telling you, it did. It was. It was the epitome of nothing. So, like, I wanted to. I just wanted to. I wanted to clarify why I said that specifically. That is a true story. There was a band from this area that did it years ago, and it was infuriating because, again, I know they were better than that. They I'll... were better than looking up a chord chart and saying, "There we go, we did it." Like, that's not arranging. That's just on the fly making something up. 